You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello, Riverdale gang. Hi, gang. Welcome back to the Watch Along Critical Commentary Show, uh, where we watch Riverdale. Uh, recorded here on the unceded territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations, both uh, the show and this podcast. I am uh, one of your hosts, Ryan. And I'm Chloe, the other host. Um, we're excited to have you here. Uh, it's raining, which we're very, I'm at least very excited about. I don't know how Ryan feels about the rain, but at least in terms of the environment, chef's kiss. We're excited to see the rain. Skywater's great. We need it. <laughs> Truly. Um, we're coming to you from a partial blanket fort yeah. because I'm getting creative on audio thanks to just a bunch of stuff not working. But anyway. <laughs> Having said that, you are likely to hear a little bit of rain in the background, a little bit of rainy traffic. There's the periodic siren, periodic cat meow. Yeah, if you're this lucky, is... you'll hear Tazzy meow. Yeah, this is not a high budget operation. <laughs> now we're circling around the subject of Riverdale itself. Because what the heck? This is a weird episode. It's a weird episode. Um, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not, not sure, sure where happening. to start with it. Yeah, same. So we haven't, we just finished watching, so we really haven't compared notes yet. But what? Yeah, I, I think, I, I think last week's episode was just so good. Yeah, it was consistent and contained in a, a unified piece of television. Yeah. And this was disjointed. Yeah. Jarringly But disjointed. something I do notice after Riverdale does like a special episode, like the Hiram episode of last week, mm-hmm. the, usually the episode back after that feels really weird because mm. we're back in normal Riverdale, which is sometimes disjointed. Right. <clears throat> I... I feel like this is a much more extreme disconnect than past seasons have given us. Like, the, the high, high genre of each of these plots. Um, they didn't serve each other very well, to me, to, mm, my, to my mind, this episode. Yeah. Um, I felt like a bunch of different writers' A-plots needed to move forward, but they could not be arranged into something artful this week. That's my thought. That's my feeling of this show. I'm thinking about the genre of this show, like the regular genre of this show, which is Mm -hmm. aimed at younger viewers and is aimed at people who are um, game for uh, hyperbolic storylines and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, And so within the rules of that genre, I was, I'm, I'm now reconsidering the episode within the rules of that genre. And I think even for the rules of that genre, I felt a little lost um, this yeah. week. Uh, and I think the, but I think the big thing for me is I do think television for young people, so called, mm-hmm. um, does have a little bit of a responsibility to educate. And I saw a little mm. bit of a, an attempted at educating about veterans affairs in this episode that fell a little flat for me. Um, and it's not so much. I think, and I think the thing that I struggle with is I do think that young people should just be told the truth and that you don't need to kind of dance around it. Mm-hmm. So the stuff with like remembering a dog when it was really a person, like this, this is sort of adjacent to features of real trauma from what I understand, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel quite correlated. And so I was, 
curious about what came off to me as like a very saccharine plot line that just, to me, didn't really land. Archie... Even within the rules of the genre. I felt like Archie was having a very special episode. Mm-hmm. While Betty was in a B flick, yeah. several times doubled down, C flick or D maybe, um, I was bored by the talking heads of Veronica and Reggie in retrospect. Oh, I, I didn't I, so they were They were in a bunch of tropey 80s suitsy suit people. <laughs> um, and maybe I would have cared about fast talking a little bit more if we weren't also dealing with chainsaw attacks. Yeah, the chainsaw attack I actually found quite engrossing. But yes. It, they always stick that stuff at the end of well, the episode. Yeah, know? it was a different type of engrossing, though. It was like, oh, now we're in a slasher fic. Okay, I can buy into this absurdity, I guess, for this moment. It was spectacle yeah. that entertained me. Um, not all of the spectacle this episode entertained me. Some of the musical numbers didn't really tie together for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the... I think what was going on with Everything's Alright tune at the end, <laughs> which, to be fair, is probably one of my favorite numbers from that musical, which, in my opinion, is the only musical that Andrew Lloyd Webber actually wrote, because I don't like the other ones. Anyway, it's fine. Um, uh, it's a really lovely piece of music, and it's in a really interesting moment in that musical, from my perspective. Mm. And... I do think there was an attempt to make some sort of commentary about the American mentality of, like, everything's going wrong, but everything's all right. Hmm. You know, I think I think there was a little bit of an attempt at that, because we've got, like, a very Christian cult, got hmm. them conversations about recovering from the war, we've got hmm. conversations about the quote unquote seedy underbelly underbelly of america as personified by the coyote ugly nonsense which i'm going to go off about in a minute <laughs> um it i i it, i think there was an attempt there and i think i would have given it to them if i if there didn't feel like there was a commitment to a particular genre in this episode i think that no. was my main issue with it to be honest and there there was no to me balance between the genres mm. um there was such jarring contrast of tone, of stakes, of meaning. Veronica is speaking bull to random, losery, pseudo-rich, famous pseudo-people. Mm-hmm. And getting their money based on personal promises. Mm-hmm. But then Archie's having a real psychosis hallucination at the end of major PTSD. Yeah. Like, that's really badly matched energy wise I don't care about Veronica and Reggie and they seem all the worse for the comparison which maybe that was the point but yeah that's a good point actually like the what is the comparison being made in this episode Mm -hmm. like I, I guess I have trouble reconciling the seriousness of reality as it changes in every different scene the stakes of the world, the, the stakes of the world we're living in, change every scene this episode. Mm. Are the mm-hmm. stakes, like, financial in New York and distant and based in phone calls? Are the stakes punching a dude in the ground because of dogs? Oh, the dog thing. Yeah, this felt like... The whole dog thing. This felt like an episode that um, was really constrained by COVID, actually. Like, mm. shooting during COVID. There was no one else in the trench with them. Yeah. 
there was uh, n um, no, there was no, uh, there was, you, you didn't really get a strong sense of people being in the bar. No, tight, tight shots of, and a couple of, magic. yeah. Yeah. And there, there's, you know, like the awkwardness of, okay, everyone masks off for a shot for 30 seconds and done. Like, yeah. I wonder how much of that is carrying over to the stiffness of some of these, yeah. these rooms. Which is not their fault. Um, no. Yeah. Um, so the thing that I really wanted to address is the way that um, the women lure this killer to a bar. Yeah. By the way, don't try that at home, please. No. Um, but I, um, I do want to address this thing about basically what they're doing at that bar amounts to something very adjacent to sex work or falls under the umbrella of sex work. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to say that sex work is not easy. You can't just like do be it. good at it. You know, like it's, there's a skill that's involved to like making people feel comfortable and there's different skills for different types of sex work. Like, Dancing well in front of people involves a certain level of training and ability. Mm -hmm. Rehearsal and, that they squeezed in somewhere. Yeah, in their busy multi-day job lives. I I think I think it's very. I'm a little disappointed in this show's creators, to be honest, because mm. I think I think they have shown that they are able to take on certain subjects and stay mm -hmm. in the genre rules and manage them well. I think they've shown the ability to do that. Yeah. And the way that they're treating sex work in this season is just really not doing it for me. And I'm saying that as someone who is not a sex worker. I don't have that lived experience. Mm -hmm. But um, the the education I do have about it, I would say, um, indicates to me that they're not being very responsible with... Like, it would have been so much more fun if Betty and Tabitha were like, oh, I guess we could learn. And then they're like oh, we're not good at this. Should we hire somebody? Like, how much should we pay them? Like, we need to pay them what they're worth. What are their rates? Like, how big is this enterprise? You know, I mean, like, there was an interesting conversation. Like, the, like the opening was there. Yeah. I... Also, I, I didn't see. I didn't see the opening mainly because of how flat so much else around them felt as they're trying to yeah, navigate this that's world. A good point. Like... It feels deeply fake. Yeah, I also and not in a is, fun narrative way. It is really fake, and because I also think that if if this were a real life scenario, and someone like Betty and someone like Tabitha was like, "Oh, we would like to hire you for this event," a, a person who's used to doing that kind of work would be like, "Okay, hold on, what are, what are the stakes here? This something about this feels off, you know?" Oh, which is why they didn't hire anyone at all, and yes. they didn't. They're that's not a you know, like they're clearly not telling the story we were kind anything near what we were hoping potential wise as they took yeah. on the subject of missing and murdered women and uh sexualized violence especially in industrial contexts and rural contexts it's a lot yeah but they've scaled so back to to kendall dumb yeah i think that's the other thing that i found sort of mysterious about this episode is that whoever's writing this does sort of have an an a sense that um like women um asterisks in situations like that do take care of each other 
And so, like, when Betty texts Tabitha before she gets in the truck cab, that mm-hmm. actually felt more authentic to me than anything else. And I, mm-hmm. I, I found myself wondering... I found myself suddenly curious about, like, oh, like, how do sex workers who work out of truck stops, like, take care of each other? Mm. Uh, what are what are their social safety networks? Like, what what is the mm-hmm. um, what is the safety net that they put in place for each other? Because mm-hmm. inevitably, one exists, um, and it's generated from within the community. It's not generated by anyone else, you know. Mm-hmm. I would assume. Um, those are just those are just <laughs> those are just guesses of mine. Um, Anyway, I just, I don't know. I would, I would, I was just disappointed. Yeah. I was just kind of disappointed in, um, in the fact that no one in the writing room saw that this was a problem. I feel like we're, 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 we're whiplashing between, um, touching on some very sensitive things and some very real, interesting contemporary art questions. Mm -hmm. And then hard swing back to the tropiest crap. Oh, in the show? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think there's a little of that, yeah. Um, And again, not... That can be done artfully, but I didn't get this time. I didn't get yeah. it. Maybe we'll enjoy it more in second pass-through, but I'm feeling deeply critical overall. Um, I also don't know any of the references to Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> I didn't... I mean, I've seen it, and I know Tarantino, but I didn't get any references. Yeah. I like everyone's involved in something sketchy. Sort of? Oh wait, have I seen Reservoir Dogs? Which one it's is the Reservoir... dudes in the suits? Right, and one of Mr. them's Pink. an informer. Mr. Blue, yeah, no trusting each other, just murder. They didn't. No one died. Oh, maybe I didn't... I'm thinking of a different movie. Wait, is Tim Roth in the Reservoir Dogs? I don't remember. And Steve Buscemi and I don't know actor names from the '90s. I was a baby, Chloe. Shouldn't have been watching Reservoir Dogs. If this is the movie that I think... If Reservoir Dogs is the movie that I think it is, I feel like I don't know what reference. Yeah. Unless the dogs are the dogs in the shelter? Yeah, I mean, if they wanted... If you could be literal, I guess. Where's the reservoir? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quick sidebar to mention the mm-hmm. wonderful new show, uh, Reservation Dogs, which oh, absolutely yeah. is a parody of Reservoir Dogs in some concepts, um, but is actually just a fantastic piece of contemporary uh, satirical com- comedy television. From what I understand, I haven't seen it yet. It's not out in Canada. Um, by a, a group of all First Nations uh, creators, um, Reservation being a direct reference to uh, the reservation system and life and neighborhoods. Um, that's that's where my brain went at the beginning of this, so maybe that set my expectations wrong, too. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I haven't had an opportunity to see Reservation Dogs yet, but I really want to. While we're on dogs. Um... I was just going to say, there's an actor in Reservation Dogs who is in Beans, and Beans is a wonderful movie. Please go see it if you haven't seen it. <laughs> it's about the so-called Oka Crisis. Oh, yes. Um, where the... So many things happened. So many things happened. Um, please some, Google Some it. Canadian international conflicts that happened, you know, right here in North America in the last 30 years. Yes. Conflicts and dogs. And dogs. Let's, let's talk about the dogs. Uh, so it's interesting. I've been thinking a lot about our relationship with animals uh, uh, recently. Mm-hmm. And so just because that is something I've been thinking about, I found the fact that an entire plot line was given over to caring for animals in this show. Mm. 
was very interesting to me and it felt very out of left field it felt very different than something Riverdale normally tries mm-hmm. I don't know dogs were cute I'm glad they put really dogs cute. on my screen the corgi oh. especially brought me joy yeah um the plot it was odd it was really strange so part of this is global context um Right now when we're recording, and probably when you're listening, unless you're deep back catalog, um, things are really, really bad in Afghanistan, um, in a horrifying flee-the-country failed occupation, really disastrous way that a lot of people are suffering. Um, certainly, veterans are ha- uh, of those conflicts, I can only imagine, are having a horrid time right now. Um but we're also staring very directly into uh, a lot of the aftermath and um, really direct human consequence and damage of these conflicts that Archie is presented as a veteran from. And I find it difficult to engage with this particular story, which is important, but is also very traditional. I've seen the recovering veteran narrative told before it's it's its own genre Mm -hmm. but i find it so hard to engage with that um in the midst of a reality that is much more darkly consequential than than the cartoon war of archie the very reduced all eras cartoon war and it's it's really hard for me to take to take that with any weight especially when they feel their plot with dogs. Let me tell you why, Chloe. Please tell me why. As a filmic technique, dogs are, traditionally and classically, a way of telling you who the good guys and the bad guys are. The good army has a happy dog. The bad army hurts dogs or uses them for attack. This is a long-standing code in film and cinema that has been used um, for as long as we had it, I think, in, in various ways. Um, I think Gladiator is one of the prime contemporary examples of, like, an opening shot of the camp of the soldiers and dog barks and runs across, establishing empathy. The the happy dog lives with the good soldiers. Oh, man, I mm-hmm. didn't know about this, mm-hmm. but now that I know about it, I'm like, I feel like my brain is filing through every single movie I've seen <laughs> for how dogs are used, and that's so true. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, really narrowing in into these, these fairly trope, broad strokes, PTSD narrative stories, it's you know, it is probably pretty groundbreaking to give Archie this trauma to cope with and to face and to put it on screen from from you know from the perspective of mental health awareness. That that's that's quite a coup. I just am so troubled by the contrast of this plot this week and the dissonance all around. Yeah. It's it's interesting that you bring that up because of course it's an unknown enemy. We never Mm-hmm. We never aimed at the country that Bing. Mm-hmm. Archie's war is in conflict with. We never name whether it's an occupation. We never name whether it's a rescue mission. Like, we don't name it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because fundamentally, to tell this story, 
the person writing it doesn't think it matters. Yes. Well, we we and that's we must very take... scary to me mm. now that I'm saying it aloud. We have to accept that Archie is absolved in some way, or right. is is a heroic yes. character. Yeah. Um, and we narrow in on empathy and tragedy of the soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a real but, tragic thing to have empathy with, in my view. Yes, and um, it, it, it's it's extremely tragic that we send soldiers to be traumatized in these ways. Um, but to narrow in on this foxhole snapshot, um, when Archie's there shooting people in uh, probably an occupation. Like, let's be real. Yeah. Looking at what America's done in the last 30 years, primarily occupation, some peacekeeping, but peacekeeping is often code for imperialist occupation. Like, I don't... I don't trust Archie's commander sent him anywhere good here. Or that Archie was really doing uh, net global positive things in this moment. And that makes it really difficult to... To separate out his intimacy, his personal story and trauma, and focus in on it. It just, it, it's, it's, uh, it's out of fashion at the moment. Yeah. In a real emotional, thematic way. Well, on that note, now that we've ripped this poor episode a new one, shall we jump in? Let's see if we can find good things, Chloe. All right. I'm going to get very close to the mic, gang. Ready? Ready? Three, two, one. Ba-doom-ba. This, of course, is your chance to sync up your, your Netflix version of the show or otherwise acquired recording and follow along with us. No flashback. Into the foxhole. That, that, that is the flashback, Chloe. Also, Jughead doesn't exist right now and hasn't for two episodes, so who would give us a flashback? That's true, but he narrated the last one. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know where all that narration is going. (laughs) You give them a lot of credit for consistency and planning. Listen, every writer's thinking about it, even if they're not sure how they're going to figure it out. (laughs) I think. Even if it never makes it to the script draft, I I will agree that (laughs) there's probably some planning that got cut out somewhere. So these were... Nicely shot. Oh, these are these are visual, yeah. snappy, beautiful dreams. Um, also, night shot at the beginning, and then at the end, we have the sun coming through the window, like day's finally broken. Heavy, heavy, heavy theme. Maticness. Um, yeah. This tracked for me. My uh, a woman in my family um, mm-hmm. whose um, husband uh, was a veteran mm-hmm. um, talked about him accidentally punching her in the face while they were sleeping because of a dream he was having. Yeah, it's a huge component of Um, trauma. So some of this actually tracked for me and felt real. They were presenting a lot of real things, but they were presenting them coated in something sugary to me. Something over the top. Now, CB radios. You have cell phones. Yeah. Well, this is part of Riverdale's brand, though, is for everything Uh, to be vintage, right? I suppose. And it does, like, I... I don't exactly know. They've taken, they've taken her in that shot out of time and space, and just created these beautiful real shadows to frame. Yeah. Oh, look, diner lighting. It's pink and pink and blue back there. Pink and blue in the 
trucks. Yeah. Well, we're away from Hiram is, now. It's really beautifully lit, I have to say, this show. Uh, in yep. a particular way. Yep. They've they've committed to certain hard, light, Jewel Tony aesthetics that have carried it through and I think done more to wrap it all up into consistency than a lot of than much else. Yeah. Has done more than much else. The design aesthetic and the consistent design and lighting. I will say one thing that tracked is very realistic for me is that this FBI agent is trying to criminalize her. Yeah. Yeah, this is normal. This, this is this like one hundred percent sting operations are something we burn a lot of money on. And this guy, I don't like this guy. I wonder if he's the killer. Yeah, maybe Glenn's the killer. Glenn sucks. That would this beautifully lit shot. Yes. Um, like I would say that that would track for Betty mm-hmm. and her poor history, poor her sad history <laughs> with men intimate to her turning out to be trash, mm-hmm. namely her father, serial Jughead killer associates. Fine. I mean, Jughead was. Fine. Remember the voicemail, Chloe? Jughead was a jerk. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the that's and that's the high bar Betty's got right running. All the other dudes around her are serial killers. Okay, how do we feel about all this? Conflicted? Okay. Tacked on. Yeah, this is weird. It's like, well, we don't have Jughead, so I guess we can move this along. But they didn't give them a genre? Yeah, I don't know. They just let them play in Riverdale. Kevin of Finland, that's a Tom of Finland reference, kind of sloppy because Kevin's at best a twonk, and Tom of Finland's uh, a, a vintage gay uh, artist. What's a twonk? A twonk. Uh, halfway a twonk. between a twink and a hunk. Um, whereas Tom Finland was all about the muscle dudes. Yeah. Like, like exaggerated hyperbole Superman muscle dudes. It's aesthetic. Yeah. Uncle What's-His-Name here is sort of more of a Tom of Finland type than... Yes. 100%. <laughs> um, so, Cheryl's grasp of gay culture, I expect more from her. Yeah. But that sometimes happens, I feel like, between folks who are like perhaps very invested in the lesbian experience and folks who are very invested in the gay experience. And yeah, like, we self-segregate. Yeah, there's sort of a lack of... <laughs> Lack of understanding there. This strange plotline. Um, I did also want to say something that scanned is like very real for me, and I was grateful the show talked about it. Is the mm. runaround that you can get from um, systems that are in place that are supposed to help veterans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. tract is very, very real for me. Yes, again, something important and real that they sunk in there, but feels weird poking out of the muck. Yeah, I appreciated what you said about whiplash. Like there is definitely whiplash feels. They're, they're giving Veronica this very 80s pink and with cyan shades. Velour pink. Yeah. And she exists basically in that room. Oh, sorry, Riverdale gang. All, um, all episode. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm still seeing talking heads. Talking yeah. heads and vague references to Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah. I I hate this. I do too. I hate this. Why is Cheryl evangelizing a pseudo-Christian cult to Kevin, her co-survivor of the other pseudo-Christian cult? I don't know. And the other other organ harvesting cult? 
I don't know. I, this feels very circular to me. It's like they don't know what to do with these characters. Yeah, yeah. We've been here before, like eight years ago. And like, yeah, sometimes we need to learn lessons twice, but we don't just forget the whole thing happened. Mm-hmm. Like, we're jumping between... This is the sequel game where you've lost all of your powers now and have to learn from level one again. Except morals and wisdom. Yeah. It's interesting. I uh, I feel like this is all set up for that scene with Kevin and the award. Yeah. Later. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a little paint by numbersy, but filling in with like really disjointed random paint. Yeah. So to pops in the white worm. I just uh, thought this was an odd piece of plot for reasons I have outlined. Yeah. This is so, so not, like, firstly, you're not filling the house on your first amateur burlesque night. Yeah, and also... As someone who produces burlesque, I promise you, (laughs) your unadvertised last-minute burlesque show is not getting a full house, no matter how cute your dancers are. But even ignoring that time frame. Yeah, I also think that, um... Uh... This is silly. I just... It, this really didn't do it for me. Long yeah, story short. They jammed this Coyote Ugly thing, and it... It bridged the gap, maybe? But then... We didn't really end with it. It just happened and had, what, all of ten minutes screen time to develop. And then yeah. ended in a flasher. Slasher fake. So this, I thought at first, I was like, "This is cool. I'm interested in where this is going." Because yeah, puppy. This, this like therapy dog, chef's kiss. We Fantastic. Love this. Yeah. And that three, dog is so cute. Three dudes oh processing God. their emotions and petting dogs. You know, you're onto something, Riverdale. We you're love really, to see really. It. Oh, just look at that dog's face. But, but everything's oh. so broken and disjointed. Yeah. I also question bringing home a severely traumatized pet with no warning to your family. Like, if you're, you need to know if your dog has triggers. That's basic pet ownership. I mean, maybe they all suck at that. I don't know. I mean, I don't know that there are good systems in place to support animals who are traumatized. And I say that from a place of total ignorance. I actually don't know. I. Not to the best of my knowledge. I mean, the SPC is pretty limited. There are certainly private rehabilitation um, centers, but the amount of dogs that actually get access to that sort of care is probably not many before reaching. Um, Cheryl, why are you disappointed? What did you think that was going to do? Did you think that was good? What's going on with you, Cheryl? I do think there, there is an element of, like abusive religious sex like get you when you're down yes absolutely it's it's um, yeah. which is kind of fun to play with and, and this show has played with that before could be sure. fun to play with could be yeah <gasps> so the only time well not the only time but what jumps to mind um betty's betty's big slap i'm talking over veronica because 
It's talking heads, and they're talking about money and bilking money by promising people retirements and numbers that mean literally nothing. They negotiate, but there are no stakes because money doesn't exist right now. Ugh. Ugh. Um, also, I do think it's interesting that Reggie's response to Hiram saying don't become a gangster was just to become <laughs> basically a gangster, <laughs> but within the law. Yeah, a legal gangster and a <sighs> stocks trader. Uh, um, tying together the cult and Betty Slasher th- during the ridiculous slasher scene I was drawn back to that time Mansion Amick shot their last uh, cult leader mm, that so was Alice. a good moment it was and I loved that but they sure earned that yeah, they spent several like seasons we... and a lot of Mansion Amick earning that yeah and we we had we got to a place where the... Wild foxes. Um, we got to a place where... Uh, what's his name? The cult leader being in that suit on yeah. that rocket was like so <laughs> earned. You're right. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then she shoots him. That was a good moment. That was a good moment. Well that done, was Riverdale. That was Riverdale building up. Yeah. Oh, puppy... Yeah, he's a good boy. And, well, there's Archie. They do spend a significant amount of time with Archie on the phone, trying to desperately get mental health services for his friend. And, you know, as you mentioned before, that's nice and that's real. And that's subtly just in the background, which I think is in the background of a lot of people's lives who are dealing with any sort of disability services. Yeah, Especially in... I really... I don't want to hate on America, but I'm aware that the infrastructure and bureaucracy are inconsistent between states and often quite underfunded in ways that I don't really, didn't really understand as a Canadian. Mm. Um, and it's hard enough to find affordable therapy here. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, uh, I thought of a Facebook status I saw today, uh, an acquaintance mm. of mine who lives in the States who posted, please, I just need... To find a therapist uh, who will take Medicaid. Yup. And I was like, oh, woof. Yup. That's just a normal problem right now. (sighs) And meanwhile, Veronica's bilking money. And they do this. We're not there yet, but they get this little split screen after Mr. Mamet, Mr. Stone. Yeah. Miss something other reference. So we've got Mamet. Stone and Nolan. Mamet is a playwright. Yeah. Nolan is a director. Stone is a director. Oh, Oliver Stone. I thought uh, my brain went Roger Stone, but no, that's not where they're is. going. It's a Fox News jerk. Oh. Oliver Stone. Yeah, they're just like it's a neat flavor, but it's it's Easter eggy. Mm-hmm. It's not integrated to me because we're jumping into that genre for three minutes at a time. And I'm not catching that we're we're playing in a fun world. I wonder if these episodes were... I wonder if these storylines were ever meant to go together. Oh, I wonder about that. I wonder if these this stuff was in other episodes and something happened and they had to put together in one. Yeah. It does not. It does not. They don't connect. Like, they could all be happening non-concurrently or concurrently. There's There's very little overlap. Who can say? They have these brief moments... Like, they tie Cheryl and they tie Veronica to the Coyote Ugly scene. Yeah. <sighs> as soon as I saw the candles, I was like, Kevin, leave. 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 <laughs> you 
you gotta go. There's candles in there. You gotta go. Do not ambush him with your feelings. Yeah, and then also, like, when someone says to you, now isn't it's a good time, time for me to hear your feelings, then it's time to leave. Yep. Yep. This is rude and ignoring. Also, so... Moose, your look. Hi, Moose. Welcome back. Hi, Moose. I don't know what's happening with you, but you know what? This is not what it looks like. It's, it, it it's 100% what it, what it looks like. <laughs> the baguette joke was, I suppose. Amusing. Um, hey, Kevin and Moose used to date. Maybe maybe we'll get a trio out of this, like a healthy, maybe. functional trio. We've already also, got non-traditional family models. Also, that's true. Also, Kevin, Ke- what queer community are you in that your exes haven't slept <laughs> together? <laughs> and you haven't slept with their exes. Like, what? There's only so many of us. Kevin, <laughs> I'm in a city. You're not in a city. I know how slim your pickings are. <laughs> it's not. It's not. <sighs> Barking dog. The injured dog. Who has hurt the dog? The bad guys. Clearly. Yeah. The unknown, unspoken bad guys. And I feel like I'm watching a World War II trench shot. Yeah. Which is, is... A, it's a very different... It's a different war. War. Very different type of ambiguity and experience. Yeah. I don't know about this scene. I don't know. I mean, they're doing... Trying to do something. I also didn't understand what moments like this were about. Yeah. I didn't... Yeah. I I was like, what what are we supposed to be getting out of this? Yeah, yeah, there's a little, like, fake-out dogs hiding in the closet. Like, pacing-wise, it's... Yeah, yeah, it's the pacing. It's totally the pacing. Because yeah. I did wonder, like, oh, is this supposed to be... Like, something I do, I have heard from um, folks with trauma is that when they adopt a pet who has trauma, mm-hmm. they do sort of learn to forgive themselves a bit because they can see in the pet mm-hmm. just a total inability to... Like, it's not their fault they're traumatized. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and that can be quite healing. Um, and yep. so I sort of wondered if that's where we were going, but... Didn't, didn't get it. Up, we didn't end up there, you know? You needed to fill those blanks in, Chloe, because oh, I, I didn't did. get it from the show. <laughs> um, this outfit on Veronica, though, is really great. Good Just, color combo, great buttons. Talking heads on corded phones, though. I get... Okay, and we... Yes, this is a 90s cell phone Reggie's talking on. Yes, we are heavy genre with this visual. Yeah. <gasps> but... Again, it's like when Kevin is being off normal, sad, culted, just dissonance. Dissonance between these different genres. These actors do have a lot of chemistry, though. Like, they are selling this scene. Yes. Honestly, Um, I'm preferring Charles Melton as uh, a scene partner for uh, Camila Mendez to actually to pretty much. I think these two. Any of the main. Yeah, I think these two characters. I think Veronica and Reggie. Well, aren't they Endgame in the comics? Nothing's Endgame in the comics. The comics are eternal. Right. They're sometimes considered an alternative match, but I I remember them often scheming to break up Betty and Archie. Oh. So um, they're they're good schemers, and sometimes they're romantic. But I just like that they're both. Like it, it is. It is a good catch here to. To let them both be fast talking, and let them both be competent at the same time. Yeah. Also, I didn't feel romance vibes 
And, and I appreciated which, which that. Which I think is fun for these characters just, as well. Just competence. Yeah. Competence and collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how much of the fact that everyone is so, so, like, the space doesn't change much this episode. We're in, we're in, we're in pretty small rooms. Yeah. How much that impacts the disconnect between these stories. I mean, we usually do that. We usually flavor colors between plot lines, but this time it's like I'm channel flicking. Mm. Oh man, that is what this episode is like. Mm-hmm. It feels like going through different shows mm-hmm. and not really being able to settle on one. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what happens in the next episode. I wonder if this is set up for a delivery. Something. I'm so curious if they tie any of this in. Yeah. Um, but there's a dog on the show now, and that's great. That's that's an improvement in broad life. There is. More dogs on my screen. Um, yeah, no, you... The shelter 100% would have given you some guidance on, like... Your dog seems to have survived. Your dog had dog fighting injuries. Yeah, you should probably all in your household know that. Yeah, here's the split screen. I don't know what this is a reference to. Is there split screen in Reservoir Dogs? Uh, yes, but not to do this. I Uh, mean, nothing in this feels Reservoir Dogsy to me. No, Um, no. Like, there's a certain stock market quick talk genre um vibe that the the quick quick cuts the specifically quick cut slide cuts it's something and it's something very a to z that pull in see right in there's a whole speed to how the camera moves that um that fits that aligns with the speed and pace of this fast talking negotiation is what they're is what I think the cinematography and this aesthetic is trying to deliver to us. And instead I'm pinging around between things that don't matter because I know Veronica is going to say whatever arbitrary number she needs to say. Yeah. I, there's no... Negotiating with no stakes whatsoever in play. Yeah, like, is this is this set up for a plot line with Hiram? Is this set up yeah. for... What is it? What or why? Yeah, like, know? I feel like they use this to offset Hiram as an incidental sidebar, which might be a plot. But again, is also its own channel click you disjointed. Yeah. Because Hiram has his own problem that isn't even tied to Veronica. And they share that split screen cut. Mm-hmm. With who uh, we never did figure out who that actor was that they were calling and negotiating with. No, I no, we didn't. Looks familiar though. Yeah, I wonder. I, I think I mistook him actually for a different actor, but um, anyway, uh, very engaging scene. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Riverdale does Somewhat. pretty consistently uh, cast uh, extras with lines who were good. Yes. Yeah. They're good at sniffing out character actors. Yeah. What are you doing, Cheryl? Why do I feel so forsaken? I don't know. Maybe because you're going through a breakup. <laughs> In godless times. Ugh, I'll do with a little more godlessness, to be honest. Spiritual practice is great. It can be a certain, a very positive thing. But Cheryl seems to be just appropriating Catholic iconography at this point. Yeah, this is For weird. For... Like, this is like if the Catholics became evangelical, you know what I mean? Like yeah, 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 yeah. Like, blah. Yeah. I, I mean, 
they were evangelical. There was those crusades, but oh yeah, no, but I they've mean, changed. Modern evangelical, yeah, I don't yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nobody's going to Jerusalem and trying to take it back. Well, not in this episode anyway. <laughs> Who knows where we're going? Ugh. Also, take it back. Good lord, what a sentence! Let's I'm open more complicated opinions. worm, uh, worm games. Yeah. Shouldn't Fangs be here? Back to Kevin. Back to this weird moment of sort of overlap, sort of synergy, we're all together. And, you know, this this isn't the only episode to stick everyone in the same place at an event. No, there's no one in that room also. They're not no. spraying that on anybody. Okay. No, these don't feel very busy. This is so strange. Thanks, Alice. I'm glad you... It's nice to see her. Barkeep Alice really charms me. Oh, yeah, totally charming. I yeah. really like this necklace on Betty. It's really good. They look nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They dance, sort of, and sing, sort of. Okay, and now we're hunting a dogfighting ring. Whoa. Which, yeah, really mean calls on Montreal all week here. 1867 Dubois. What is that? <laughs> Wait, 1867 is the formation of Canada. <laughs> is this? some strange metaphor for how wacky confederation was because like none of us are fans don't worry like we you know where our politics are on this show yeah and now i'm looking for a whole subplot line that i don't think is there but why are there canadian history dates relevantly stuck into archie's dogfighting crime ring that talks about montreal um so, I will say, this movie was mo- a movie I desperately wanted to see when I was a preteen. It's a lovely film. And I've never seen it still. My parents said no at the time, and I had never Understand. got around to watching it. And But these outfits were like the outfits I secretly wanted to wear when I was 11, 12, and it's fun to see them. Yes. There's quite a millennial fashion going on here. And that was that was was a really seminal visual that mm-hmm. film. Um, I haven't watched it in years, so uh, I I can't give a, a contemporary commentary on it. But I remember remember it being goofy fun long before like the the Christina Aguilera's burlesque uh, was out. Um, as far as th- these these performing concept popular films um, before burlesque before before Magic Mike. This was something of a perception of... Hmm. I remember liking their music more. Mm. Sorry, Riverdale. This did not work for me musically, this episode. The sound direction did not... Yeah. ...tie together. I'm a little distracted by some of the lighting. (laughs) Um, The strobe to make it seem like the room's full? Yeah, just... I don't... I don't know. Uh, sorry, I got a little absorbed by this, by all the Christmas lights and <laughs> uh, the shots from below and all this stuff. I did not get absorbed in the music, unfortunately. I, I well, no, it, I, but... I don't feel very absorbed by the I also don't know this song. This no. one isn't, a, isn't one I know. I, it might be from the movie, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It feels cramped. It doesn't feel like that much of a spectacle to me. Mm-hmm. And oh no, stop impersonating FBI agents, y'all! I guess the at least they called on her on it. Yeah. The, the other thing that I think is interesting, actually, about this show mm-hmm. is there's this semi-trust 
there's like a little bit of trust and authority, but there's also a lot of taking matters into one's own hands. Often using and abusing that authority when you've already resolved it to your liking. Yeah, and I just, I understand the distrust of authority very much, but I, the show, I don't know, something about yeah. it sort of lands funny to me. I don't really know what exactly I'm getting at here. There's something, though. There's yeah. something about power and institutional authority. I don't know what any of this is supposed to be about. What, you're bursting into this house, Archie. You should at least answer something. You pull a man out. Like, maybe he is... Like, take a few steps further. Yeah. But I get that Archie's irrational here, oh and that's the what is, point. What is in his this? Yeah, this felt like set up for the end of the episode, and I just... Don't get me wrong. I do... There is a vengeful part of my soul that feels that people who abuse animals deserve to be treated this way. I will be mm. honest about that. Um, I don't really fundamentally feel anyone deserves to be treated this way, but you can see what I'm saying. We're all on the same yeah. page here. Um, but this just feels like... I'm so emotionally confused in this scene. That's it. That's They're the yanking me through a very intimate climax of anger mm-hmm. between Coyote Ugly. And it didn't yeah. work. It didn't It didn't work. Yeah. And then their plot sort of progresses. They're now team detectives, and I kind of like that. I think that she replaced Jughead, Loki. Who, uh, Betty? <laughs> no, um, um... Tabitha? Tabitha, yeah. Oh. Certainly yeah. she's the detective partner here. So, Betty has some thick foreshadowing. She's told by Glenn, stop impersonating FBI, and then she doubles down. And she she tells everyone, number one rule is don't get in a truck, and then she doubles down. And mm-hmm. that is maybe a genre, too? But I wasn't in the genre enough to attribute that to genre instead of just weird. Yeah. Weird and clunky. Um. This I, is. This is. I mean. Abs- uh, so. I don't know. It bothers me that this all reads as a consensual interaction on all accounts. Until he's suddenly a serial killer? Well, it is a consensual interaction. Yeah. Yeah. But... I guess... There's... There's a... There's a... There's, there's something very disjointed between the stakes up. Mm-hmm. Like, the conversation that they have even is... Like... It would be sex positive if it didn't end up with the chainsaw fight. But I didn't like that we were immediately oh, in these stakes, in, in in violent stakes, and maybe yeah. that's maybe that's a gender perspective of mine as well. Um, I mean, sex positivity is complex. Like it, mm-hmm. it's complex. I, I'm not a th- I don't have enough lived experience of this. Any lived experience yeah. of this, so I, it's difficult for me to say. See, until he brings up the really creepy watching my grandma die, everything's weird normal, and then. How does he not know that's a bizarre thing to say? Or just, I don't get it. I don't 
I don't understand the human that Betty's sharing screen here with. There's a strange stereotype. Yeah, and then now we're in horror movie. Yeah. Like I don't um, I don't feel like this is accurate to what the re- what the problem or fear or dangers are in what they've set up. I don't know. And, I mean, I think I mean with human behavior literally anything is possible, but um, Yes. Humans are terrible. Monsters released Theron is a fantastic film. Um yeah. that that covers kind of this territory. Um mm-hmm. but the dissonance that ugh, like, of course, Betty has to follow her instinct, and of course her instinct's right. Or she'll, she's wrong and she learns a very special lesson about it. Either or. Yeah, I, I would... I, I just don't know. But I'm suddenly invested in this. I do want Betty to escape it. Yeah, for like 40 seconds they had me here, too. Ooh. For some reason, the, yeah. the chainsaw was the, was the point where I turned my brain off completely and just enjoyed the slasher flick. And the somewhat successful spectacle that they achieve. Yeah. Lovely little hand cam from the, the driver's perspective, low angle. We're really, there's a lot of thought. It bothers me now to, to notice how much thought goes into the differentiation of genre and how little thought seemed to go into sticking it all together. Yeah. As a paced bit of television. And you mentioned earlier. Why didn't Betty just drive away? Well, she wants to catch him. Yeah, drive into him. Oh, uh, yeah, interrogate. This is so <laughs> Riverdale, this moment. That moment that just happened with the wrench, yes. I also love that, like, for just a moment, like, Tabitha's here to save the day. Would Tabitha being present really change that situation all that much Much if Betty didn't have a magic throwing arm? I don't, I don't know the answer <laughs> to that question. Like, if anything, Tabitha seems lucky that Betty solved this before she got there. Yeah. She's also accepting a lot of weird noise in Riverdale for someone who's new to town. She got uh, absorbed quickly. She's been there for a little bit, hasn't she? Yeah, yeah. Well, at the beginning of this season, I think she was taking over Pops. That might right. That's right. Mm -hmm. It's been a very long season. Bingo. The name Bingo. Why did it have to be Bingo? Why couldn't it be something else? Anything else? Just the sound of the word Bingo. What? Why couldn't it have been anything else? I want these two guys, I want to feel like I'm seeing consistent characters from them. I want to, yeah. like now that this is Archie's supporting cast, I guess I, I'd kind of like to know who they are, but I'm still not through too much of the surface there. Yeah. So far, Eric has been a little bit all over the place for me, as well as characterization. I don't have a sense of who he is. Yeah. Um. Initially, he seemed like a possible, like, plot drop antagonist for the future but now he's that which Archie projects his own needs yeah I don't know hmm I don't know yeah it's a lot of very like River Daily shots it's a lot of very vivid beautifully nicely done visual shots yeah I found 
I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm actually a really big fan of the way this show is lit. I really mm-hmm. like uh, the sort of saturated pink and the, yeah. and the blue and everything. And I've noticed that every single shot of this, these three men in this plot line, their faces are always half in darkness. And I'm sure that's mm-hmm. on purpose. Yeah, these very intentional um, designscapes yeah. that are crafted for each scene setting. I feel like I'm probably missing a lot of references that maybe could help me understand and appreciate these genres because of just the whiplash speed of giving 10-15 minutes each. Yeah. Uh, again, it yeah, it second time through it's it's just jumbly to me. Yeah. I also think that confrontations over delusions or lies in this context Mm. Could have made for an interesting boobs. Sorry, all I'm thinking about now is breasts. <laughs> Sorry. Teacher of the year and Cheryl. Yeah. And this makes Kevin sad because that's a very 30s vibe. Yeah, My accomplishments make me sad. Moment, actually, <laughs> this is a very very relatable moment. He. Um... I mean, his dreams are borked. And if he had if he had gone and done that for a couple of years, he'd realize those dreams are bork. But you do have to go learn those dreams are bork before you, you know, start dreaming a little bit more in ways you can realize excitingly. Yeah. There are good dreams, but you have to get through some really ridiculous ones. Kevin's still in the stereotype dreaming. Yeah. And he's a drama teacher. Mm-hmm. Giving these kids Sage career advice? Question mark. Question mark. I might be asking a lot from. Here's the fighting corgi. Fight corgi. This is very. You know, it's interesting. Early in his career, he's very young, but earlier in his (laughs) career, KJ Apa was in a movie called The Dog's Purpose, which I've never seen. But I wonder if this is basically a dog's purpose. Is what we're watching. I wonder. I've never seen it. More dogs on screen. I'll take it. Yeah. I like that they've got this all-purpose community space that's always ready to go. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> There's a um, a friend of a friend of mine is a vet and mm-hmm. a veteran, sorry, a veterinarian, not a veteran. Mm-hmm. And uh, she gets hired by film sets to make sure the animals take breaks and things and Aww. make sure that they're all, like, doing good. That's a lovely job. Yeah, I was just thinking of her when I was watching that scene. I was like, I wonder if someone like her is just making sure the fighting corgi is okay. Animal handling. Yeah. Requires a budget. Listen, imagine going to church with that incredible fireplace. Yeah, I don't. That would be an experience. I don't. And she's quoting Bible? Right now she's quoting Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. She did quote Isaiah. And Mumsy knows nothing, none of this. And that's cute. Mumsy's like, what? I accept that cute little bit of background acting. I don't... I love this song. I'm not gonna lie. I respect that. (laughs) I... Thank you. I am not a fan. Of Jesus Christ Superstar? Andrew Lloyd Webber is a... So it's the only Andrew Lloyd Webber I like. I don't like Phantom. I don't like Cats. I don't get it. But I Mm. really like this musical. And there's, if I'm, so with the first, the first bit of live theater I can remember seeing that was like an actual show was Mm. a little very crappy. No offense to them at the time. Um, Carry on. 
Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, like, redox school version touring. And I remember mm. it being nothing. Like, disinteresting and boring. And my, my really, opinion's never gotten better. It's a really tricky musical. I've only ever seen it mm-hmm. live once, Joseph. And... Yeah. There's... There's... Mm, I want to say there's two songs from it I like. But it's basically an opportunity for several vocalists to show off within the context uh, of a very... Dry storyline. Mm-hmm. I found mm-hmm. personally. Yeah, I didn't... but it's the same thing with Jesus Christ Superstar. Like we only like it's only engaging because you know the, where the plot's going. Maybe you maybe know. I need to see a good production of either of those shows because I'm not there. And this didn't help. I'm sorry, Riverdale. Yeah. That wasn't your strongest. Yeah. Kevin, lovely voice, but disbalance. Madeline Petch, oddly like. No, I'm dynamic. <laughs> Sorry, I'm distracted by Penelope, like yes. nipping child. out of the the chalice, <laughs> just like what is this? Um, I will just say very brief- briefly that both Jesus Christ Superstar and uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat are getting a little dated. Yeah. Some not great stereotypes <laughs> of uh, the Pharaoh, and there's some not great stereotypes oh, of gee. Jews. <laughs> it's not oh, it hasn't aged super well. <laughs> Good to know. Um, but uh, do we know Mr. Nesper? Is Nesper a reference? No, I don't know who Nesper is. Don't, there was another no. name that I was Artemis <laughs> was the other one I didn't recognize. Yeah, so I'm not doesn't sure. ring a bell either. Again, I wonder what experience I would be having if any of these genres were my genres. Yeah, any of them. But Good also, point. whose genres are these? I don't like, know, but red they're. Charles Melton is very well suited to this genre, though. He's yes. doing He's yes. doing great yes. in this, and I'm really into it. I agree with that. Yeah. It's one of the more, you know, in, in passing through again, one of the more chill level plots was the Veronica and Reggie plot. Candle choreography. All right, churchy AD. Um, oh, I missed this last time. Oh, my God. Sidebar, though, like... I know... S- I know so many artists who work with religious organizations despite having entirely different personal spiritual beliefs. Yeah. Like, it's just hooking someone with that job. It just amused me because the amount of Jewish singers I know who do Christmas gigs is bread and butter. Yeah, that's where all the money is, right? (laughs) And great. Yeah, why not? But just hooking him with that job as, like, the youth pastor or some noise... Yeah. See, like, this this scene belongs to a completely different show. Yep. And is it is it meant to be hyperbolic dreamscapey? Because this, this experience changes each time? Because I didn't get oh, that's dream interesting. haze. interesting, yeah. I didn't get dream haze, though. I'm filling in my own dream haze. Because they play that as a straight flashback each mm-hmm. time. Kind of different. <sighs> See, lights coming through... Dawn has come. He's not sweating. Help has arrived, finally. American flag in the background. He's 100% at the bottom of that waiting list, though. <laughs> That's the thing they're not reflecting here. He's been working for, like, three to eight months on his friend's application. Great! It'll be a while. Now, you're at square one. Yeah. Hallucinations are not. That's the whole other horrifying reality of this. There is no bring a buddy to therapy uh, it's not accessible, and that's mm, a problem. Yeah, unless it's like one, like I think a lot of uh, 
I'm going to get close to the mic again, Riverdale gang. I'm just going to get rid of the <laughs> show that we were watching. Go away, Netflix. Thank um, you for your service. I do, I do know that quite a few, as far as I know at any rate, a lot of veterans therapy is mm. group therapy. Yes. No, uh, that's, yeah, when I, 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 I phrase probably pretty poorly. Um, you don't get, you, get you don't get to send yeah. you don't get to save a place in line for your buddy in right. in the therapy line. Right. Group yes. therapy, one hundred percent. Community healing, one hundred percent. Yeah. But like, none of the VA problems were solved, which they can't be, which they aren't, which. But Archie seems to be fast forwarding through them. Yes. Like we've been introduced to a real problem, and now we're fast forwarding through them. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where we're going. I... Well, we'll find out next week, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've said too much. Yeah, I've said too much, too. <laughs> I feel like I've said all I need to say about this episode. <sighs> to better better and days next week, Riverdale. Probably have said things that I'm not well-educated about. I don't feel great about that, but we're here. We're trying. Um, We're here next week, too. Till then, gang. <laughs> Till then. Riverdale gang, take care. Bye.